0: Some people are on the pitch, they think it's all over. It is Here is Kulishevsky. Here is Kane. He scores. And silences the place. Coleman caught on it by Salah. And Salah is off and running now. Catch him if you can. Mo Salah. Brilliant. In the centre of goal. Goal.
1: Galatelle. Acquero!
0: So don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening to this, get this straight into your uh, your inbox. Follow us on Twitter at wrongfootpod. check out our website, wrongfootpodcast.com. And Joe, where can people reach out if they've got any thoughts? If they want to stack
1: yeah. us. If they we want gotta work on us. this. We gotta work yeah. on getting this at the beginning of the pod, but so please email us at the wrongfoot at gmail.com.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Wrong Foot Podcast. Alongside me, my co-host, Joe. Joe, how are we doing this week?
1: Good, good. I know uh, I haven't quite been gallivanting around town like you in Toronto, going to the (laughs) Raptors-Nuggets games, watching Nicole Jokic lose the MVP. So I haven't been up to that. I've just been, you know, sitting at home, watching questionable Premier League football, watching a lot (laughs) of teams create opportunities and not finish them um but that's just because i'm you know i'm the salt of the earth guy on this pod while you're kind of uh you <laughs> I'm know
0: the one, i'm the one percent i don't know about that but you know yeah. i try yeah.
1: um, you're the wheelie dealer yeah
0: well i did meet your uh, arch nemesis beat rose uh, he wanted to record uh, a voice let's, message let's, for not, you, but... let's not give him any uh mention. <laughs> but... <laughs> no need, no need. okay well move along move along uh, yes. his, his wife focus is on still... the football Focus on the football. Questionable whether his wife exists, but that's wow. a different conversation for a different day. Yes. But yes, we are here to focus on the football. Uh, interesting week in the Premier League. Um, kind of like team, everyone was playing people that weren't kind of near them in the table. I feel like it was uh, a bit spaced out. There wasn't like you know a title clash, top four clash, or even like really that many relegation battles uh, going on. Uh, kind of mixed it up a little bit. But we will begin with the team at the top of the pile, Arsenal. Uh, took care of business at Fulham pretty easily in the first half. I think Fulham looked all right maybe in the second half. They had a few chances here and there, but really like Arsenal just turned on the gas first half, got the goals 3-0 up by halftime. Never really looked in doubt.
1: What are your thoughts on, on Arsenal's performance this weekend? Well, I think you obviously have to say the... January signing of uh, Troussard (laughs) was was all the difference in this game. That was the Arsenal uh, winter transfer that I did very much think was a good idea. Obviously an older player at 28, but, you know, I thought the fee was very um, respectable. And I think this is kind of the difference that he makes. And I think, you know, he's starting now, right? And, you know, the first goal was off a beautiful uh, cross from a corner kick. Um, that he was able to put in the box that Gabriel was able to finish the the second one um, you know just it, it, you know to, I, everyone should see the, the sec the cross that he had on the second one it was just a beautiful kind of weighted floating pass um and you know like the defenders could do nothing it was just perfectly uh right to martinelli who was just able to f- just the simplest can be finish uh yeah. for martinelli just the kind of thing you'd dream of and then he was also on the same left side set you know makes a nice cut beautiful pass um and odegaard kind of cuts back right there and nails it right with his left foot as well and that was that 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 particular goal was set up initially by Partey to trussard and then finished off by Odegaard in the box, and I just think all you know, all three goals came from that left hand side through Trussard in the first half. He was just brilliant, and I think this was just a very workmanlike performance by Arsenal. I think we've talked about the last few games have kind of been up and down. They needed obviously that that you know rally last week against Bournemouth late to snatch it. They needed the the rally late against Villa a few weeks ago, and I just think. This was important for Arsenal just to get a, a clean, straightforward finish. And they did it. And they did it quickly, you know. Goals in the 17, uh, 21st minute, 26th minute, 40, uh, right before halftime, uh, an extra time in the first half. They actually had a goal disallowed before that. And I thought just a very good performance by Arsenal.
0: Yeah. and Going back to Trossard, I think we talked about it when we were talking about the January window. We, this was a kind of like a nice addition that they would have – On the bench for the last twenty minutes, and like he has proven to be (laughs) way more than that for them, Uh, found his way into the team. I think for Fulham, I think we we spoke about the was it the Wolves game when they drew one-one with Wolves, and I said like there's quite a few teams, and I think this thing came out this week with a lot of the results as well, where there's about twelve teams or so that really could be in the bottom three depending on a bit of luck here and there and I know Fulham are obviously way above and not in trouble of relegation or anything but like they have performances like this and you're like they're really not that good they've obviously strung some good results together <laughs> played some good football but like in a different in, in a different universe and whatever I don't know that's all hearsay or whatever but I, I just find like all the goals there was a lot of players just kind of stood in the box and part of that's because Arsenal were just so clinical and you know there's only so much you can do but the the Odegaard one, especially like he kind of just was able to just find space pretty easily and and get it onto his left foot and and find the finish yeah. and never really under any pressure. But there there seemed to be men around him, but not kind of doing much and well, it was just statues almost. But
1: right, he did all his damage on you know the left hand side, and who's he going up against? American Anthony Robinson, who <laughs> so obviously I'm paying attention to him specifically, and he was just. He did not have a great game, um, and he was just burned up by Troussard. I mean, some of the defending, it was kind of like, oof. It, it, it wasn't, like you know, I've seen Anthony Robinson obviously play many times. It, it was definitely one of the worst I've ever seen him play. I mean, I know Troussard is good, but uh, I think Robinson definitely helped uh, in the process.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. But Arsenal, um, yeah, just took care of business. They're looking very good, I think. That five five point gap over city is it's it's could be enough um obviously still a fair bit of football but if they they keep working out results like this and and just kind of demolishing teams with with ease then it's going to be all man cities to do and we'll get on to man city and talk about them in the champions league and, and where their focus may be um but yeah i think this was it was a great three points um but yeah we can... uh, sorry go ahead
1: no just the last thing i want to say about this Um, I think we're at the point in the season, and I think probably it was even happened a couple weeks ago, and I think it's important to say it, where you know when you're watching American sports, right, you want to play the teams that are always at the bottom because there is a real reason that those teams want to lose. There's no threat of relegation, and the worse they are, the better the draft pick they get. And so there's just less from the fans, from management, there's just less emphasis on winning. Well, (laughs) when you're in a league where everything is about staying up and relegation could you know, severely jeopardize the financial prospects of so many of these teams. You do not want to play the teams at the bottom of the table, right? I mean, we're going to talk about some games, especially away when these teams are playing at home. You're just going into a lion's den many times, and it's not even in Millwall. And, (laughs) you know, you're going into these difficult environments, and these are teams that are playing better than they ever have all year because they have to. They don't have a choice. They have to get as many points if, you know, if these players, you know, some of them will go down to the championship. Some of them may, you know, try to find other homes. But, you know, it's very vital for a lot of these guys to try and push forward and stay in the, the you know, the Premier League. And not only are the fans feeling that the, these players are, so it goes through the whole organization. And I think teams like Fulham, a team like Brentford, a teams like Villa, teams in that middle chunk there who I think there's four or five of them when I look at the table. that are kind of in the middle there that aren't necessarily in the relegation fight, but they're not really fighting for top four or Europe that much. So I'm looking at you know Villa, Chelsea, Fulham, Brentford, specifically those four teams. I think those are the kind of teams you want to play right now because mm-hmm. those are the teams that might be kind of... Like have a little bit of of a loss of focus, and they're not really striving for anything. They're just kind of they've kind of it's kind of like a job done, right? And we're a little early in the season for like you know the talk of thinking about the summer and being on the beach to set (laughs) in fully. But I do think a little bit, and and the other thing about Fulham and what we're going to talk about with some of these other games, especially with Man City and and and, in Palace. Fulham want to play. You know, with Marco Silva, they want to play, and that creates more space. So right. for a team like Arsenal, that's great. They don't have to try and get through these low blocks and try and be intricate and or, you know get a cross in or just find a goal. Against Fulham, they have a space to play how they want. And for Fulham, it's obviously that style obviously works more often than not, and it's the reason why they, they have as many points as they do. But when they play the better sides, they're trying to beat these teams – that are better than them kind of playing the same way right and so it's just a perfect matchup for these top clubs i mean we saw tonham go to Fulham and and beat them we've seen arsenal just really have no problem and i just think fulham is the type of team especially in this point of the season you know craven cottage isn't really you know that intimidating either so i just think th- these are the kind of games that you need to take advantage of because i think fulham is kind of the perfect team to play right now and mm-hmm. arsenal did that you know perfectly
0: yeah, and just uh, I think just to be a little bit fair to Craven Cottage, I think half of it is still closed because they renovated the one stand. So it's I think it's literally half an empty stadium. But yeah, it, even when it's when it's full, they're not like the known kind of drive their team on. And yeah, I, I yeah. completely agree. And yeah, I think they they also they have an FA Cup match coming up with United next week. So maybe you know that's yep. probably yep. their main focus. Point. You know, like Great point. Yep. they're still there. Um, but yeah, I think. I think arsenal just were far superior and, and got the job yep. done another team that were far superior but made it look a lot lot harder if we look at the score line um man city versus crystal palace uh, taking 78 minutes to get the the goal via penalty uh, but they had so many chances at this game like this this was not a one-nil game like on a different day this is four five six now in my opinion um they just couldn't seem to find the back of the net um, yeah, what were your thoughts on on am I am I being unfair to Palace there or over Well, what I'll to say it? is this:
1: we're going to talk about twelve game, games today. We've obviously already talked about Arsenal. Four of them involve Crystal Palace and Southampton. So that means right off the bat, thirty three percent of the games this week are are not going to be uh, <laughs> nice on the eyes. I'll just put yeah. it to, to say it nicely. Well, but this, I think City this...
0: made it quite nice on the eyes. They just like it was just the final finish. Uh, like there were quite I think... a few clear chances. <sighs>
1: So, I, I disagree, all right? And it's not to say City didn't have great chances. I mean, Holland had one where he just kind of slashed it over the bar. And, you know, Bruno Silva later had one, a great opportunity. Um, Grealish had a good one when he kind of left like inside. Yes, side. For sure. Um, you know, Bern- Bern- Bernardo Silva was just wide. But the, th- the thing with Palace, and, you know, not to be Conspiracy Joe here, but I think Patrick Vieira was more focused on getting on getting Man City to only get one point than he was on Palace to get three. Right. This was just a rubbish performance by Palace in the sense that <laughs> there there was only one goal, and it was to get a draw. And they almost did it, and they probably would have done it with, for not a bad penalty. They set up in two banks of four so defensively, <laughs> City had almost no space to operate, and it made things very hard. And And when you play these games until you score a goal this is how it's going to be and it's just it can be so frustrating for any side to play a team that plays that low a block and is that condensed there's no space to run into you know you got to try and get cross it's just you have to play differently and it can be challenging and a lot of the times the thing that breaks these games open is a penalty it is a deflected goal it is just you know, a header. It's just something random. It's not usually pretty football that's going to win you these games. And City could have done it, you know, more pretty. They had some opportunities, but Palace almost had no attacks until they gave up the goal. They decided to play a little bit because, oh, wait, we actually need to score a goal to get a point. (laughs) The the entire first 70 minutes, Palace were just kind of in their own end, and they were just, they they didn't even advance the ball. They were just, we're going to defend, and that's all we're going to do.
0: Yeah, no, that that is fair, but I think like I said, I think in a different day if they if, if City get an
1: earlier goal, one of those goes in, I think some of the others go in as well. But
0: the force yeah. on the penalty it's pretty clear cut.
1: Yeah, just Death um, challenge Yeah, I long? mean uh I mean there's there's really not much you know, Elise <laughs> just went in hard and you know, good to one didn't really have to sell, it was just a clear penalty and um, you know, that but when you play that defensive style, that's kinda of what that's what you're at risk of. Just a one brain fart, and your whole plan just crumple, comes crumbling down. Right? Um, but look, I think Man City. You have to be happy you got the three points. You know, we'll, we can maybe briefly mention their Champions League demolition in a bit, but um, they are still not quite firing on all cylinders cind- <coughs> in the league. But they're still there. They're within striking distance. They're probably, they're still the most talented team in the Premier League. Um, they're still in it, but like, you know, it's just, there's something a little off, like City of years past win this game a little bit more easily. Um, but look, they're right there and it's still within striking distance.
0: Yeah, and let's, let's quickly jump to their demolition in <laughs> in the Champions League. Um I think I honestly think this is where their focus is. I know Pep said it. I think it was more mind games why he said it, uh, kind of a couple of months ago, um, that the league was done and that's where their focus was. But you know, he, he keeps talking about how that's how he's going to be judged as his Man City tenure, whenever that ends up ending, it's all going to be on whether they won in Europe or not. So I think it was a sign on on Tuesday night of this is the competition we want. We are up for this every game. Um, You know, the first leg wasn't great, wasn't pretty, come out of it 1-0 and then 7-0, Haaland bagging five goals in a game and yeah, but like I say, I feel like the Palace game could have had a similar scoreline, had a couple of things gone slightly different. Um, Now I think that it was a much more polished performance in general um, on the Tuesday, but yeah, I just wonder in the league how much they are up for the league. Like, I think if they were at top, it would be different. But because they're chasing, I think there's probably an element of Champions League is the first priority, and I'd even say FA Cup and league is probably equal behind that at this point because you know they don't need to win the Premier League to prove anything. They've done that enough in the last five to ten years, right? Like, it's not it's not like they've not done it and uh, done it consistently and. The scary thing is is like this is a down year for Man City and they're still in the Champions League, FA Cup and and in a title race uh, and I think they they're a young team and there's quite a few new pieces of this team and a bit of change so the, the future's bright for that team. Uh, much to say on their, their dominant Champions League performance no, and being think, a know, <laughs> No, but I
1: think it does kind of help explain why Palace were so defensive because if you do give City a little space, you can see what happens. Um, but like it's anything in life, you got to take a little risk to get a little reward, right? Um, but no, I mean, I think you said it. You know, it's not necessarily... I mean, this squad that City put out against Palace was a strong squad. Um, I know no, know, you know, De Bruyne starred, but this is a very strong eleven. So it's really not a... It's not like a lineup thing. It's might just be mentally they're a little off um, and more focused on the Champions League. But look, I mean, you know... I know they want to win a Champions League more than anything. We'll see if they can do it finally this year. They're obviously in a great spot. We'll have to see you know, what the draw you know, gives them in the quarterfinal. But, um, you know, I think, look, anytime you win 7-0, you can't really – or it was a 6-0, you can't really complain that much.
0: I think it was 7. It was 7 by the end. Holland had 5. Okay.
1: Um,
0: yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's move on to the other Palace game and get it out of the way. Um, I I did a classic Rich Jinx by saying this is the best Palace have looked all season after about eight minutes and like they were playing well. They probably could have scored one or two in the in the first eight minutes of this game, um, and then just a beautiful pass from Mitoma, or however we say it, Uh just, like just plays in Solly Marsh and he's just yeah just a, 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 just kind of. The, they unlocked the key, or well, unlocked the door very easily with this one pass, just broke down the defence at a nice, tidy finish, and f- I'll be honest, my attention then switched to the Liverpool Champions League game, so I wasn't fully focusing on this, apart from at one point when they all just like left the pitch because apparently the power went out, even though all the lights were on or something. Didn't really understand. Um, yeah, Brighton still not looking their best consistently i don't think um but you know these are the results three points at home clean sheet can't complain yeah it's not two three four nil or anything but tidy performance lovely goal uh your thoughts on
1: on brighton palace yeah so i think you basically uh summed it up now i had both games on today kind of in the background as i was doing work but essentially what this game was from what i could tell was palace played as you mentioned fantastic for about 15 minutes arguably the best 15 minutes they played all year
0: and like actually um, attacking like they were trying yes. to
1: score <laughs> great and then once Brighton scored as you as you mentioned to the marsh goal <coughs> it was like back to rubbish like <laughs> they would just bat again i think I, i'm not sure but i think i saw somewhere where 80 percent of their actually was created like the first 15 minutes of this game <laughs> uh it was just all there and then it was just nothing and then for Brighton, um, look, you, you're not going to be disappointed whenever you get three points. If you're Brighton, it's three points. You know, you, you took advantage of a team that, you know, has trouble scoring, right? <laughs> they could have easily scored in those first 15 minutes, but they didn't. But with, with Brighton, I think the concern is, again, like, they play so well, right? I mean, they have the Sally Marsh. They have Matoma. They have McAllister. They have Sasedo, uh, but those are kind of like the four. I mean, Danny Welbeck's not, you know, <laughs> you ask a United fan what they, or an Arsenal fan, you know? Like, he's just not the finish artist. He's just not the guy, if you're going to make a Champions League, you want to be your striker. So, like, it's not a bad result, but, you know, coupled off the weekend when they only got a point, this is just another situation where, you know, they only scored one goal. So it's like, it's a good win, but it's still not quite a top-four-looking squad. It's nice as they play as well, you know, as solidly our defensive, they're, they're missing that consistency that some of these other teams have. Like if, if this playing team had a hurricane, they'd be in the top four. There's no doubt in my mind. But they don't, and it's not something that's easy to find either. So it's just it's a great team. They built well. They have a lot of young – I mean, we saw Troussard, right? That's someone who would have been in the squad probably uh, yeah. today, if, if not, if he wasn't sold. Um, but it's just, you know – the talent's there, it's just is there enough talent, especially in the final third to finish these opportunities that they're creating.
0: Yeah, and I think that's always been their issue, and I think this is this is why there's always been the, the big six, or now Newcastle fans will argue it's the big seven or whatever um, based on their recent uh, sale and acquisition. But I, I think what's hard is for these teams like Brighton, is how do you translate from being a team that you can have a good year but then you lose those assets because the bigger boys will come knocking and take them off your hands like we've seen with Arsenal taking to a side and how do you switch from being that to kind of being able to keep the crew together a bit longer so you can kind of build a foundation to then attract better talent as well and then break into being one of those big boys and you know money is a big part of it Um, but also it's kind of longevity and you know, McAllister, is, how long is he going to be around for, right? Like there was talks after the World Cup that he would be on the move in January. That obviously didn't happen, but, you know, he's still playing well. Um, people still will remember his World Cup you know, over the summer. So can they hold on to him for another year so that, you know, if they do make one of the European competitions, they can make a run in that and make a name of... Yeah, across some of the other leagues, of players want to come and play for Brighton, right? As opposed to they make their name at Brighton to then go on somewhere else and really establish their career. But we can talk about Brighton's other game. Um, Probably one of the more uh, fun kind of back and forth games. My favorite game of the weekend. My favorite game of the weekend. Leeds versus Brighton. Um, This game also broke. I don't know if you play fantasy EPL. Joe, but this broke Fantasy EPL Twitter because of the Solly Marsh goal, which has now been credited as his goal. But apparently, Fantasy EPL are not going to credit him the points, so people are oh. people are very upset with this because initially it was a an own goal uh, or credit as an own goal. Um, but yeah, it was since, a, it uh, was a
1: very dumb goal. It was just deflections and just rock yeah, and we'll it, up is, it the was back almost of the like they
0: both kind of kicked the ball at the same time, but like. Marge was more kind of like behind Harrison's foot or like it was kind of hard to see who really touched it mm-hmm. and, but uh Harrison kind of redeemed himself with a lovely goal afterwards but uh Bamford uh no
1: McAllister opened the scoring sorry that goal was first right um so yep. well worked a, a uh, beautiful Pascal cross to Matoma heads it over to yeah. uh McAllister, who was just there to finish it off yeah and then the Bamford goal um Beautiful spectacular.
0: Goal. It took it took a little yep. deflection to help it, but uh, you know, hey, had the uh, Tony Abbott. This Ibo-esque is the this the bar. is the
1: Patrick Bamford we were waiting for. <laughs> I think I've mentioned on so many podcasts. I don't understand leads. Like I like this squad and like they play decently, but this final third, they they don't know how to attack. But they have Patrick Bamford. He's still you know he's not an elite, but he's a good quality Premier League striker. And then finally we see a flash of it from outside the box, top left corner. And I think yeah, as you said, I took a deflection, but. This is a Patrick Bamford Leeds are gonna need to stay up. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then uh second half then then like we were just talking about the the Marsh goal, which yeah, it was basically just a, a back post kind of bundled in. <laughs> I guess is the easiest way to it. say it. it just I, I watched happened.
1: that I watched that goal about five times. I, I still don't know what happened.
0: Well, and it kind of just looks like Harrison does just boot it into the goal. Like I don't even know what he's trying to do. Like it was kind of I don't know. But that that put Brighton back ahead. But then Harrison redeems himself at the other end with a lovely goal cutting in uh, from the left and and just curling it in at the far post. Uh, Yeah, this game was was fun. I think promising for Leeds to score some goals. Um, Obviously, it's only a point from home, but Brighton are good. Uh, To be trailing uh, twice as well and come back, this shows obviously a bit of resolve. Uh, But I think the the hard thing for Leeds is are they going to be able to pick up points around them we, that remains to see, be seen, but if they can start scoring a couple of goals again, um, and, and maybe tighten up a little bit at the back and not have those scrambled type goals, <laughs> they uh, they'll do a bit better. But what are your thoughts on on Leeds moving forward uh, off the back of this performance?
1: Well, as you said, it was always nice to see Jack Harrison with the brilliant that brilliant. Um... Cut in off the corner, you know, they took the short corner. Yeah. Just a beautiful goal. New York City FC prospects always nice to see him score. Mm-hmm. I thought Brendan Aronson, who got the start, looked very lively in this game, created a lot of opportunities. I like what I saw from him. You know, this is um, this is a game where Leeds had to at least get a point out of it. And they were able to we'll see if they can carry on off this result. I mean it's it's gonna be tough. I mean they are, you know, in the relegation zone, you know. We're going to talk about the other games, but there were critical points that other teams <laughs> won this week, you know. Bournemouth got their three. Everton got three more. And, you know, every week one of these teams in the bottom seven or eight are probably going to win. And you have to keep pace. It's, it's going to be tough. But, you know, you have to, especially when you're playing at home, you have to get as many points as you can right it's it yeah. sounds very dumb and very simplistic but you need to take advantage of your home opportunities at least you know brain's a very good team to at least get a point it's not the end of the world i thought it was a good performance i think these two teams are basically dead even it wasn't a situation where you know brain was out playing them and Lee, you know Leeds looked very good in this game so i think that's that's a good thing that's obviously something to be optimistic about but it's they're just they're in the battle for their lives sure for sure
0: and another team in a battle for their lives everton uh i don't think uh, we talked about bournemouth start at arsenal last week but uh you know at home against brentford was it about 40 seconds in probably less uh just came out the blocks firing and it's it's what you need and i think we've we've spoken about this before like goodison is obviously good atmosphere good good kind of place to have your crowd behind you and if you can get ahead early and like obviously this is very very early after you know less than a minute the crowd is just going to be behind you the rest of the way whereas you know you, you start these games and it's not going too well the other team's kind of more on top or something like the the crowd kind of goes more to that here we go again and it's not quite got that raucous atmosphere to give you that extra 10 percent in your legs or whatever whereas this was just, uh, yeah, perfect start. And then, you know, then I think they cleared about three or four off the line. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's generous. But it was about that. It was a Sean Dyche defensive performance from there. But you know, once you've got that goal, then then you can do that, right? Like you've you've got a bit more leeway um, against a Brentford team who they haven't lost since. Did they lost since the World Cup? I don't know. It was 12 yeah. games, so whenever that takes us back to um, very long they unbeaten. They Yeah, it was 12 games unbeaten before it. Oh. So, a lot of draws, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't all wins, but... Uh, no. Yeah, so that was, uh, like I say, I think uh, on a different day, maybe Seamus Coleman's not on the line as much as he is, and they, they conceded a couple, but the, again, points at home. We were just talking about this with Leeds. Um, oh. Three points at home is huge. Obviously, helps them leapfrog their way up the table a little bit um, and, again, gives them a bit of a boost going into the next game. What are your thoughts on, on this one?
1: Well, first, shout-out to Jim Crumley. He wasn't in his seat for the first goal, so that's why they <laughs> scored. And then he happened to be watching as the goal was allowed oh, on a right great handball uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, right before half, so... Um, But yeah, I think you said it. I think what you said there, and and we've talked about this. Everton need to get three points. at go to sin. They did that this time. But the funny thing about it is, (laughs) Brentford were the much better side, especially in the (laughs) second half. They're the ones that had all the opportunities. I think you said they cleared three or four chances off the line. That's exactly what happened. But this is where home field advantage comes into play, right? I think other than I, I think basically even with basketball, you know, soccer is the one sport where the crowd makes such a massive difference. Because you're running for 90 minutes, you're going to ebb and flow. Your, your energy is not always going to be peaking. The crowd can just give you that extra push and can just really make it a cauldron and make it really difficult for the opponent to – because you, you got to be clinical in front of net. And I think if Brentford's at home, they probably – finish one of these opportunities but with all the pressure on top of you with the crowd on top of you at goodison you know this raucous crowd trying to you know as they did last year just trying to propel this team up above the top three everton you know they were digging in they were playing all right defensively but this is really a game if they're playing in brentford they're losing probably three nil two nil but because they're at home because the the added pressure on brentford of trying to score with you know the crowd on top of you and then with that extra energy the crowd provides for Everton, you see how hard it is to go into Goodison. Arsenal couldn't do it. Uh, you know, Brentford couldn't do it. I think uh, the, I think Villa might have won here. I'm drawing a blank, but um, Everton have been able to get results under Dyche at home. They not just results; they've been able to get wins, three points, and that's why, even though they're not playing, they don't play great football. Um, they, you know, Tamari Gray is really their their best attacking option they've been able to survive and they're kind of moving up the table now that they're up in 15th. Not that they're safe by any means, but they're able to do this because they keep winning at home. Yeah. And and on your
0: point about not being pretty, you ask any Everton fan they're going to tell you that I don't care how it looks as long as we stay up at this point right like <laughs> you yeah. don't need to win pretty you don't need to be playing like, obviously years and years of terrible football you're going to be like let's, let's start kicking the ball around a bit but you know at this stage of the season when you're in the mix um yeah it's win it all costs. but yeah and then, like I say Brentford, they were on an unbeaten run but they got back to winning ways tonight um this game didn't see a lot. I've seen seen the goals. Uh, I didn't realize until five minutes before recording it actually finished two 0 I thought it finished one 0 but <laughs> there was a goal right right at the end, ninety seventh minute. Um, Southampton are just bad, right? Like <laughs> they lose two nil. Um, Brentford back to winning ways. Tony back on the score sheet. Um, yeah, I, I like I said, I didn't see a ton of this game with the with the Liverpool game going on, um, but. I don't have a ton to say about Southampton and good for Brentford, basically. Your thoughts, Joe.
1: Yeah, I think basically Brentford are playing really good stuff. I think even better than Fulham more consistently, Brentford are really playing good stuff. I think they're they've been tough for every anybody to beat. Um, and then the problem with Southampton is it's pretty straightforward. Um, you know, they have uh they have The walkout playing a lot. And there's a reason why Theo Walcott's out of Southampton. Besides James Ward-Prowse, we've said this, I just, they, they don't create patterns. They're just so, I mean, we're going to get into more detail when we talk about the uh, United game, because that I think was even more telling, but you're at home, you're at the bottom of the table, you need something, and, like, they didn't even really create that many chances, even though they were down 1-0 for mo- the majority of the game. It was just a very just just very crap performance there's really no other way to say it um they they you know they've gotten a couple of weird wins here and there but i mean this is just this is a team in a lot of trouble
0: yeah and i think like it was one of the early pods when we after the world cup wrapped up i said like a lot of these have them players like they almost look like they knew they were getting relegated but yet they're still like, like a couple of points from the drop like they're not they're not out of it, it's not like when we've seen in years past with like Sunderland doing terribly or Derby doing per- terribly with like seven eight points at this point in the season and just you know you're down and out like that's not turning around.
1: But like or West Bromwich Albion doing terrible, <laughs> shots fired, shots fired. Um, yeah, like
0: it, it, you're you they they're still in the mix, but yet like the performance is like the contrast of that what we've been saying about Leeds about Everton. You know, like win it all costs doesn't matter if it's pre, but like at least be in the game. Don't see that, and we can we can move on to the the United game where they were given a gift by our friend oh. Casemiro, who we've we've spoken about before. That his his tackles are strong, to say the least. Um, this one was just mistimed. It was high. I think the height of it was the the worst part. Like he was off his feet, studs up. You know everything that's going to be a straight red card. To the point, Man United aren't even appealing it. <laughs> like you you know it's bad when your team are like that. Ah, we're not even going to bother going. Well, they that did. They,
1: you know. Ten Hogg was uh, complaining about it afterwards saying talking about the uh, incident we haven't talked about yet in the, the uh, Chelsea Leicester game on right. Juan Felix um, which wasn't given a red card which should have been but that doesn't mean what Casemiro did wasn't a red card
0: correct yeah exactly that's yeah you can't you can't say because that wasn't given incorrectly it means you should also not get given one incorrectly um, but yeah Casemiro sent off just after the half amount of walk in this which is a gift to Southampton right like you yeah, yeah. Even if you're the worst team playing the best team in a league, like when you've got a player extra, like that should at least level the playing field. And... Well, Southampton,
1: <laughs> and this is probably this is a very critical game. They were playing at home against Wolves. Not only were they up a man, they were up a goal, and they wound up losing two one. So right. Southampton, uh, you know, have <laughs> done. But this game, what well, this game was, I wish we could get to a point where like any team in the bottom five went to a team in the top five this thing of the season the team the home team has to play 10 men because this <laughs> made this game so much better actually i mean honestly even in the first 15 minutes southampton might have been the better side i mean De hey had to make a great like reaction save on theo walcott early on yeah. um you know i think um you know wamba cleared the ball off the line obviously after the red card uh, james ward prouse had a free kick Um, that just skimmed over the bar. I mean, really, this was a nil-nil, but this could have been 2-2. Each team had multiple chances. I mean, Walcott had this one-on-one, and he was so slow. The defender was able to catch up to him and put him off. (laughs) Um, You know, just, I mean, they had so many, you know, Bruno Fernandez laid on, had a great shot that I thought for all the money in the world it was going in, but it kind of just deflected off the inside post, and instead of going in, it kind of just went straight out. I mean, he missed that by just fractions um, you know I just you know uh, Kyle Walker Peters late on with the left foot you know snatches it off the the left post uh, this game was very open um, I think United were complaining about a Southampton handball in my opinion it wasn't a handball because this is actually when the one time I think the handball rule makes sense where if you have a hand down um, you can't be called for a handball because you're bracing your fall The Southampton defender was literally on the ground on the pole, just hit him. So it was like it would have been a very, you know, cheeky goal to give up. Um, So I'm glad they didn't call a penalty on it. But, yeah, I think for the Southampton side, this is a wasted opportunity. Obviously, you never expected to get this opportunity against United. But when you have it, this is really, you know, a, a point when you have to get three points. And then obviously we saw, you know, what happened today against Brantford, and it's just, there's too many missed opportunities for Southampton at this point.
0: Well, and the biggest concern for Southampton is, yes, the game, it made for an exciting game playing 11 on 10, but I think if you, if you switched on the game after the red card and didn't know there was a red card and didn't count how many Man United players on the pitch, I don't know that you would know that it was, the teams were uneven, right? Like, aside from thinking, like, why is Southampton looking so good? But, like, I think that's concerning, right? Like, you, you they, they, it opened up the game but man united was still well in the game as opposed to it opening up the game and it was kind of man united just then hanging on because they were a man down and they just kind of went more defensively like mainly like saying man united still had plenty of chances as well but yeah well, southampton i think uh i think they're relegated personally um things can change but i just don't see where that spark's coming from or, or where that change is coming from uh, but another team on the south coast in trouble um, getting a good result this weekend. Uh, I was, I said it was a bad Liverpool performance. You, you are a bit higher, Joe. You're always. You seem to be more of a Liverpool fan than me most, oh, most of the time. Oh, don't! I am not. <laughs> um, yeah, Liverpool has some chances, but then you know, Billing gets the goal. The defense is kind of cut open easily uh, from yep. One ball over through. the top. Yeah, and uh, and an easy finish. Um, Putting the one up, obviously Salah having the penalty in, in the second half. What a half, penalty it was! He, like he didn't even slip. Like he didn't even try to pretend that he slipped. Like he just literally just shot off target. Like it was weird. Um, uh, it was you won't things. see
1: many. You won't see penalties miss wider than that too often.
0: No, uh, uh, without like you know the David Beckham slip when like the turf literally goes from underneath his feet just as he's about to kick it or whatever. Um, but yeah, he he just literally placed it wide, which was which was strange, but. Yeah, uh, he, the thing is that's frustrating, and this is probably why I'm harsh on, on Lohu and this performance, is just like, it looked so good against Man United. Nothing went wrong. And, you know, I, I think we spoke about it last week that 7-0 was probably flattering. Like, everything went right. They had eight shots on target and seven of them went in. Like, that's you know that's not going to happen every day. But you then go away to a team in the relegation zone who, you know, we've talked about are, are not great. They just had... A deflating loss, really, against Arsenal, right? Like, they were in that game for however many 90-odd minutes of that game after going ahead after nine seconds or whatever it was. Yeah, Liverpool, they... Bournemouth should have been there for the taking, but I think Bournemouth, instead of being deflated by that loss, have kind of buoyed themselves on a bit for saying, like, no, we took the team at the top of the table to the limits uh, and created chances and scored some goals. Let's do this again. Um, Get on the score sheet and... Yeah, I think Liverpool just looked flat. The the front three weren't connecting like they were uh, the week before, where everything they touched turned to gold. Alexander Arnold is just terrible at defending. Like it could have been worse. It could have been worse than one nil, in my opinion. Um, and I'm I know I'm overly harsh on him, but yeah, great great three points. Uh, we've talked, we've spoke about it enough. Three points at home when you're in a relegation battle is huge, especially against. Yeah, one of the teams that you would expect to, to struggle against, or you know, Liverpool were pushing for, for top four at this time. Uh, yeah, Joe, your thoughts on on the Liverpool Bournemouth game?
1: Yeah, so I think we were. I, I, I think I was, and I think you were to an extent. We were expecting a bit of a regression from Liverpool, obviously after that huge win. Um, so they made one sub, and, I, and I've seen a lot of Liverpool fans annoyed that uh, Henderson didn't play, and you know both Harvey Elliott and Batecich played. Um, mm-hmm. What were your thoughts on that?
0: I think, well, I don't know. Like, the thing is with Henderson, I'm assuming he's hurt because he didn't play tonight either in the Champions League. So I don't know how much was that playing into it. But I think what Henderson gives is a bit of grit in that midfield. I think, like, Harvey Elliott's great, but Harvey Elliott is effectively a fourth attacker when he plays in midfield because I, I think if, if Liverpool didn't have the wingers that they had, he would be in that position. Um, when he was on loan at Blackburn... I feel like that's where he played when he was playing for Fulham. That's kind of where he played more attacking than kind of a a centre of midfield player. Um, could be wrong. People can correct me on that, but I feel like he would play in the position of Salah or you know whoever they put on the left, whether it's Gabco, Jota or or, or Nunez. But because they have those four players, like he's not getting in ahead of them. And then when they play him in midfield, I feel like you need someone like Henderson to then kind of make up for the fact that he is more of an attacking player. He, he's, he looks about five foot tall. I know he's obviously a bit taller than that, but he's not like a big imposing center midfielder, right? Um, so I think, yeah, I, I don't know how much of it was Henderson being injured. You know, you could even put James Milner in there as an anchor behind him um, to kick some people uh, from time to time. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I think it was, I think those two players, they're both young inexperienced I don't want to say inexperienced that's a bit harsh but like when a game especially when you go one down in, in these situations that's when you need an old head like a Henderson who's just going to be basically calling the shots right he's going to stand in the middle of the park he's going to be telling everyone where they need to be what they need to be doing he's going to call them out if they do something wrong uh, and, and when he's not there and he's not doing that I don't think Liverpool will have anyone like yeah maybe Van Dyke at the back but he's not exactly on the top of his game right
1: now and nope. he got beaten he, on that ball I mean that, yeah, that, he that even, goal he even, was
0: he didn't even make a challenge right like, he no didn't it even was Batona to in. Adam
1: Smith and then it was an easy ball over, over Van Dyke. and I think just quickly these are the issues right <laughs> the back line I'm not sure how good Virgil Van Dyke is you've talked plenty about you know Robertson and Trent and they are what they are the midfield it's just like we've said I mean they're missing that dynamic piece uh, and they're not good. it's not in the squad <laughs> the they're gonna to have to get it. Well, I feel the, like they, in the summer window, I feel like they Fabinho can do they was can... one of
0: those pieces as well, though, right? Like he used to be a like hard hitting midfielder, and now he just like seems to kick people because they're like he's lost a step. Like he's
1: not he as has, quick as he, he has. was, right? Look, this is the this is the. And in all matches, this is—you is, know—Liverpool played more games in Europe than anyone else last year, and we're seeing that effect. You know, they won two okay. cups, they made the Champions League final, they came in second in the Premier League. This—this this is the effect on someone like Fabinho. So I'm not saying he's done, but—and it could be the same thing with Van Dijk. I'm not saying they are done, but they—they they just need a long break. And obviously, you right. can't take a long break at this point. I would say the most disappointing thing, though, of this game was just—we—I and I thought this is the thing that was going to potentially carry Liverpool to a top four in the top four fight is the front 3 right yeah. sala gackpo and nunez were so good against united in you know, with the interchange and they were just running great runs off of each other inverting positions it was brilliant and in this game they was just it was just very stale and non-existent and like i don't know if they they used up all their energy in the liverpool uh, the united game or what happened but the front 3 were nowhere near as dynamic as they had been and they they don't have a choice with with the backline we talked about with the lack of um, toughness in that in the midfield this, this they have to score and they are going to have to score mo- probably multiple games if they want three points multiple goals in a game if they want three points and it, they just were no they were, uh, this is the worst Nunez I've seen in a Liverpool, in a Liverpool shirt and um, they need to fix that if you know if they want Champions League football next year
0: yeah and talking about the Champions League um... Not a ton to say about their defeat against Madrid tonight. Um, it was a bit similar to this game, really. Like they didn't offer a lot the front. Like for some, a team that needed three goals, they started with a front four effectively because they started Jota as well in this one. Um, it, yeah, I, I think Madrid just knew that they weren't going to beat Barcelona like <laughs> from a few years ago, and they were just going to not let it happen. A few counter attacks where they came close. Uh, Benzema was kind of trying to break the offside trap a few times and then eventually does get a tap in um, it, it, to kind of take them over the top. But yeah, again I think I think that's what's most frustrating is you watch that Man United game and you're like, how are we not in the title race when we can play like this? But then you watch the Bournemouth game, you watch this both both legs of the of the Madrid tie and it's kinda of like, oh this is why because we can also run out performances like this. Um but yeah, did you, did you watch any of the the Madrid game tonight?
1: No, not really. Yeah,
0: didn't miss much. Don't worry about no. it. <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, your boys uh, looking looking in form, I would say. Yes, it's oh. against the Forest team. Um, yeah, you know, this probably could have been. I, I think Forest were more in this than than three one would suggest. But I think the class of uh, of Tottenham just came out. I think Richarlison, as much as we've criticised him, and I really don't like him. Played very well in this game, um, which which hasn't happened for Spurs. I, I don't know whether the war of words between him and Conte over the <laughs> the last little while have has sparked something, and maybe it was a bit purposeful from Conte for someone who's been around the block. Maybe he realised this is something he needed to do um, to to spark this in in his players. But yeah, take care of business. Three uh, one, Harry Kane, couple of goals. Son getting on the on the score sheet as well. Your thoughts as a, as a Spurs fan watching this one.
1: Yeah, so I think honestly, I was racking my brain. This is the the worst a team has played against Spurs all year. Um, <laughs> they had chances, Forrest, though. No, they didn't. I don't <laughs> know what you were watching. Um, I was never uncomfortable at all in this game. Uh, Forrest, I think in the last fifteen minutes, they created, they scored off a corner. They almost had, they had a penalty that they missed off a, you know, just a stupid. Kulisewski, barely a handball inside the box.
0: Yeah, but, that was a weird one. I didn't really yeah.
1: know what to think about that one. Uh, but, like you mentioned, I think Richarlison, I think the quote that inspired this performance. <coughs> um, <laughs> during the during the week, uh, Conte was asked about Richarlison's comments where Richarlison had said, you know, he's not playing. He's, he was annoyed he wasn't playing. I'm good. How are you not playing me? If you want us to get results, you need to play me. And so basically Conte said, I watched an interview of Richarlison. He didn't criticize me. He said his season was shit, and he's right. <laughs> and then what do you get? He throws in a true Italian father type of way, throws them <laughs> out. You, you can do better, and Rich Allison put in, by far, his best performance. He didn't score, but he was in all three Spurs goals. He actually had a goal disallowed by VAR very early on because he was slightly off sides, but, I mean, sets up that beautiful hurricane. Um, uh, the the hurricane goal, but you know, nice pour across. Uh, the second hurricane penalty kick was because Rich Allison was fouled inside the box, clear penalty, and then he was he you know passed it to Son, nice little cross where Son made a great move and finished it. So this game was all about Richarlison. He's been the bane of many people's existence this year, but this was <laughs> this was the 60 million pound man you expected. This is the performance that we're going to need to see more often if Spurs want to you know maintain their top four hopes and and get into the Champions League next year. But yeah, I thought very clinical performance again. Very annoying by Conte. Makes no subs until the 84th minute. Uh, Tottenham, I guess he's on loan technically with an option to buy Benyama. Doesn't play at all. Just a winger, very talented, doesn't play. He brings in Lucas Moura here late. Doesn't bring Pepe Metisard you know, who's looked very good when he's played until the 90th minute. Conte just likes to play his guys, and that's it. And luckily for them, they have no other games besides the 11 remaining Premier League fixtures to get to them through the end of the year. So they're just going to be basically playing once a week for the year on out, which should greatly help them in terms of the rest and performing as well as it can. But um, even in a win, still some frustrating things about the way Antonio Conte does his business. Yeah,
0: And where, where did Forrest go from here? Uh, defeat of a decent-looking performance uh, again in the Everton game last week. But uh, are they... Are they... In the mix there, a couple of points off the
1: drop. They're obviously in the relegation. I mean, they've only played 26. They have a game in hand on Palace and Wolves, who are just ahead of them, and Everton, who's uh, a point behind them. But, I mean, look, it wasn't a good performance. But, look, you're on the road against a top-four side. So, more often than not, that's going to be a loss. Obviously, it's troubling where they haven't won in their last five. So, that's obviously not good. But, look, I mean, this is always going to be a difficult spot for them to win. Um, you know, we'll see what the future holds. They're obviously playing Friday night at home against Newcastle, so that's an interesting spot for them. The crowd can really get into it on a Friday night to maybe propel them to at least a draw on that one. And look, every point is going to matter. I mean, the the margins at the bottom of this table are incredibly thin. The difference between 18th and 14th where Forrest is is two points. The difference between 12th and 18th where you know Palace and Bournemouth are is it's three points there's one result there you know so yes. it's going to be twice and you know the added negativity for forces their goal difference is horrible so they kind of <laughs> want to have to win every tie so we'll see what happens
0: yeah and uh you, you mentioned the next team that we can move on to talk about newcastle uh beating wolves at home uh didn't make an easy work of it uh, <laughs> as newcastle don't like to do because we, we've we've spoken it great length of their ability to to be able to score goals and Almiron who is their top scorer getting on the score sheet again to get the victory um, Wolves I think Wolves are one of the teams like they're obviously within touching distance of to the bottom I've, I've been impressed with them like I said we mentioned it earlier when we were talking about the Fulham game Like they didn't look that much worse than Fulham in that game um, I like kind of some of the stuff they're doing they got some good pieces they can Pick a goal out
1: from from here and there. Um, what are your thoughts on on Newcastle versus Wolves? Well, first and foremost, we got to thank Olin for this one. Was very <laughs> negative about this game. How was this oh, a yes. <laughs> game? You can't think of a worse fixture, and it was a great game, honestly. <laughs> um, the tr- the first goal I think is K- Kieran Trippier. We know how good he is crossing it. Um, yeah. Isaac, the big you know signing over the summer from Sociedad, gets up higher than anyone, finishes it. That is. The kind of quality and those two individuals specifically are the two guys. When I look at Newcastle in terms of being able to score goals more consistently, it's great boss from Chipier. It's great, great finishes from Isaac. That's what they have to do. They were able to get that first goal. Um, Saint Maxima is this—he's a fantastic player to watch because <laughs> he's so herky-jerky. He makes a lot of great moves, but then it's like. There's no there, there. There's no final ball. There's no, like, it's just, like, you just wonder, is he going to develop this, or is this just like a tease? Is this going to be just a tease this entire time? So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him going forward. Um... You know, the Wolves' goal It was just kind of a uh, – it was a bizarre defending. It just kind of fell in the right spot at the right time for a Wang Hee-chan, and he just finished it. There was nothing incredible about it. Um, and then the third goal, it was a great – and that goal happened in the 70th minute. Gr- great response from from Newcastle. It was yeah. a beautiful one-two one, two between uh, Almiron and Willick. Um, Almiron makes this great great run from you know, the out-of-bounds line. Yeah, you know, maybe about 20 yards passes it to Willick. Willick gets it back to Amaran when he's wide open and a beautiful finish. And, you know, this is, you know, if Wolves want, I mean, if, um, Newcastle want to make top four, they have to get three points at home against Wolves. They were able to do it. It was a pretty open game. Wolves looked, you know, they you know, they, they probably had less chances overall, but better chances and higher quality chances than Wolves did. And, um, you know, I think if you're out you have to be very happy and this maybe is the performance that kind of gets them headed back in the right direction.
0: Yeah, and a little controversy in this one, uh, Wolves thinking they should have had a penalty.
1: I don't know your thoughts
0: on it, kind of there was a back pass, Pope just uh, kind of didn't really control it well and then a, a bit of a scuffle I guess with Jimenez. Um, Wolves think it was a clear cut penalty, obviously VAR. Did not because they would have asked the ref to go and look at it if they had. Uh, Did you see this and what were your thoughts? Do you think it was a penalty or kind of just one of those things? It was just the coming together of
1: players. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. uh, I didn't have a strong take on this. I thought it could have gone either way. Um, I always kind of lean towards no penalty, so I was fine with it. Yeah, yeah.
0: And like I I always, uh, yes, obviously, wrong decisions can shape a match, but you know, there's still eighty-nine other minutes in this game that you could have done more um, so it is what it is um, Joe I have a question for you have you ever seen a player start and I don't know how many games João Felix has now played for Chelsea but have you ever seen someone hit the woodwork in their first 10 games or whatever he's played now <laughs> João Felix I, like, I swear he hits the woodwork like post-bar once or twice a game every game uh and he did it again in this <laughs> in this chelsea leicester game which uh our boy friend of the podcast he's not but we talk about him a lot about these fives however you say his last name got himself sent off um chelsea finally scoring some goals but yeah Joel felix the people usually hit the, cr- the woodwork this much i just don't understand it
1: uh, there may have been a, Celt- a certain Chelsea fan that texted me the exact same thing, saying, <laughs> I refuse to say Chelsea is back until Jamal Felix stops hitting the woodwork every freaking time. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's just – and he had an offside goal that he was just – there's no reason for it to be offside. It was just right. lazy attacking, and, and it killed him. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, <laughs> – it's just – but what, what I want to say about this, and remember – this performance is coming off a huge win 2 0 against Dortmund that keeps him in the Champions League, gives him into the quarterfinals. <laughs> That's a huge, huge result for yeah. for um, Grant Potter. And then this game, I mean, I think the one thing I want to shed the line is, you know, Ben Chilwell's back, right? And yeah. as a wing back, the difference he makes um, for this Chelsea side cannot be underrepresented. He is critical and. Um, He's
0: he's the link oh. between all the like the defense and all their yes. left wingers that they have, <laughs>
1: like, right? And obviously it piece. was it was a, obviously a beautiful finish on the first goal, and yeah. that was even the best goal Chelsea scored. The second yeah. goal, Havertz Enzo score. Fernandez, the beautiful chip over the defender to uh, Havertz, who you know on the he volley, say, it's
0: almost like he did the same it over. thing. Yes, like, it was like, it was like yes. the same kicks, like perfectly, yes. like like the McDonald's arches the ball would have taken. Yes, Um, just beautiful
1: little scoops. Um, And what I really liked um, before we get into Leicester is um, Modric played through the middle. And I haven't seen him play through the middle. Typically he's a winger. um, And every time I've seen him play for Chelsea, but Potter decided to play him in the middle. And I think he just opened things up tremendously for Chelsea in this game. I think he kind of created that space and helped them finish. Now the hard thing to tell is Leicester is so crap at the back that... You know, it's hard to completely decide, but um, in terms of attacking, I think Chelsea looked great. I think actually defensively in this game, with Cucurella back there, um, obviously no Silva in this game. There was Koulibaly at the back. They looked a little weak, but again, that's the opponent. Leicester is a very good attacking side and a very poor defensive side. And Chelsea definitely exploited their defensive frailties. I mean, Havertz looked great. I talked about Woodruff looked great. Joan Felix, I can't say he looked good because he can't. He just makes too many mistakes, but you know, whatever. Chilwell looks great. Um, Kovacic and Fernandez, uh, you know, Enzo Fernandez looks like he's really picking up the league now. Like I'm, you know, you're starting to see the project come together for Chelsea now. I don't want to read too much into it because they're playing a team in Leicester that, as we've mentioned, is so bad at the back. But I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing from Chelsea. You know, the win in the Champions League over a good Dortmund side, you come in and then you beat Leicester. I'm kind of starting to see and starting to fear this Chelsea armada that's coming through.
0: Yeah, and on Leicester, I I would be scared as a Leicester fan um, of, of all the teams in the mix. Like, uh, like you say, I think Southampton are a little kind of separate to this, but I, I think they're trending in the wrong direction. Um, I think Bournemouth have obviously had a good performance against both Arsenal and Liverpool, which will give them a lot of confidence. Uh, West Ham are still down in the mix, and you know I think we, we've spoken many times of like how West Ham, with this team, still like in the relegation battle, in the relegation zone. I think they are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but Leicester, it's just like they just leak goals, and you know Vafe is getting his sent off, but uh, you know he's Ugh. are they going to miss him with a one game suspension? Probably not. Like, what's, like, just terrible probably challenge. <laughs> it's just like, but it just yeah, I don't know. It, it's, he's uh, awful.
1: He is awful. I, like I, I want to watch him in person to see how bad he is uh, in person. Um, and it also begs the question: I think Kyle, uh, you know Murphy, our Chelsea fan, brought it up to me. Um, who is who is the the backup on Lester <laughs> that can't get into the squad defensively? Yeah, like, who is worse than this? Oh my goodness, it's just rubbish. And look, I mean, you got to say it. Your your former buddy Brendan Rodgers, uh, his back is is on the yeah. firing squad here. Uh, you know. He's got to get some results. This team looks like they've been kind of falling like a rock. Um, you know, they score a lot. I mean, we've talked about it a lot. They score a lot of goals, but they give up a lot more. And it's really happened in the last few, you know, weeks uh, where the goals have give, have really dried up. That's four losses on the trot. And um, they're 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 another team fighting for their lives. I mean, there's seven or eight teams here. They, I think any single one of them could go down, and it's just really about – playing playing decent football and grinding out a result when you're not yeah
0: yeah and that takes us on to our last game of the week uh west ham versus villa exited his own ollie watkins on the score sheet oh, yet again uh, what a player looking great just uh, a lovely striker's goal just getting in the right place to kind of about six yards out for the goal uh he nearly had another one which was i don't know how he didn't score very similar later on um but west ham again like uh, West Ham that bad I I don't know like I can't it's hard to say um but they're still down and around in the mix um yeah what were your thoughts on on West Ham Villa
1: um so I think Ollie Watkins as you mentioned great splits to two defenders it was just a fantastic ball by um Alex Moreno and honestly it was like the first attack that uh, West Ham had the entire game uh, Villa had the entire game so it yeah. definitely started him off on the right foot. Um, I mean, let's call it a spade a spade. I thought West Ham were very lucky to get this result. I thought Villa were the better team. Um, um, you know, there was a... there was a Moreno had another great opportunity late. Um, um, you know, I thought... I, I think what we have to talk about here is the penalty. Um, you know, Paquita was kind of... Was in the box. The ball kind of went over his head. He goes back to chase it. And he's kind of in um entangled i should say yeah. with bailey and bailey kind of clumsily you know pushes him over for me this is just not a penalty i, I just think this is a slight coming together it's not like Pakata was in a great goring school you know had a great opportunity to score here um like i said his back was the goal he was just trying to retrieve the ball it just happened to be inside the box so i thought very very lucky to finish um you know, look, Ben Rama had a great opportunity late, you know there were opportunities for West Ham. I don't wanna speak as though this was like a one sided affair, but you know, when you're playing at home against a villa team that we talked about that's kind of in the middle of nowhere, who've got enough points to scale off relegation, you really have to be better and it just it wasn't a it wasn't in my opinion a good enough performance in West Ham. Not that they couldn't have won it, but I just didn't think this is when you when we're playing at home, as we've talked about. You're in a relegation fight. You're playing a Villa team that you know has not them isn't playing for as much as you are. You. This is a game where three points is really critical. Oh, for sure, and I think Villa are the kind of better cut right, in terms of who's in the
0: relegation yeah. battle and not Palace are downwards. It's, it's three points. It's only five points between 12th and bottom, so thats um, might changed uh, after tonight but yeah and
1: just and just quickly Olin wants to come to the defense he wrote in you can email us all at the wrongfootcast at gmail.com again the wrongfoot at gmail.com and Olin wrote in you know talking about West Ham specifically and he's trying to put it forward a case for David Moy saying you know they made you know the Europa League semifinal they're actually still this year in the quarterfinal of the Conference League, they should advance to the semis. Um, I, I might have that wrong. It might be they're trying to advance to the quarters. I'm unclear. I'm not up to date in the Conference League. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but I, I would assume that they're trying to get into the quarterfinals of that, which they should. Just playing, like, you know, it's the Europa Conference League is great because you learn these teams that you never knew existed before in these random <laughs> leagues. Yeah. Um, so, you know. Owen's kind of saying, you know, and I think we saw this when, when Roy Hodgson was at Fulham too, like these teams who make these European runs, a lot of times that season's crap. We saw when Leicester won the league, right? They, they almost got relegated because, you know, they, they were trying so hard in the Champions League and it's just hard for these teams with limited squads to do both. Right. And, you know, West Ham could certainly be suffering from that. I, I don't want to say that, but when I look at the squad and the reason why I, I disagree with Olin – even though he makes, I think, a, a quality point, I don't necessarily think David Moyes should be fired, but he's not getting the job done. Like, I would seriously consider moving out from him in the off season. But um, th- this, th- there's so much quality in this West Ham side. Like, Ben Rama, uh, Pakata, Ing, Danny Ng, Suchek, um, Bowen, Declan Rice. <laughs> you know, that's a good attacking. When you compare that to even what Newcastle has, but like when you look at other teams at the bottom, when you compare them to Everton, Southampton, Wolves, (coughs) more than those teams have, Wolves should be. I mean, West Ham should at the very least, even if they're tired, even if they're having a down year, they should at least be where Villa is, I think, in this table. You know, they should at least be mid table above these teams. Like, there's no excuse for this West Ham team to have less points than Crystal Palace.
0: Yeah, and I'd be interested to ask a West Ham fan, like, would they prefer europe or would they prefer being in the premier league next year and i my guess would no. be premier league next year right like you
1: yeah it, but the conference league is not it's europe but it's not like
0: exactly right like so what does it, it mean but that's what i mean so is it worth this sacrifice that is, that is coming through and
1: the weekend he played a pretty premier strong league? squad i think in the yeah. um, you know and let me i'm trying to pull up west ham here to see their fixtures but cuz they're playing a side i'd never i don't think i've ever heard of um, let's see results. AEK, That's uh, the, is it AEK the- Laranka? Yeah, oh, it has okay. to be Greek it has to be yeah. a has to be a Greek team. Yeah, A.K. Laranka. I don't know. Oh, it's a no. That's a Cyprus. They're uh so you know the little greek island off the coast there uh, it's, um, it's,
0: it's not a greek island my friend trust me i know some cypriots that very, well, uh, <laughs> they excuse would me. you know a <laughs> former
1: greek island i should say yes they, i speak greek uh, actually they speak probably cypria i don't even know yeah. we can do a deep dive the only person i know from cyprus is marcos baghdadis um and i believe what's their team Apollo they have a team that I remember playing Madrid in either the round of 16 in the Champions League one year. So not the worst footballing nation, but, you know, that's who West Ham is playing in the Conference League playoffs. So, um, yeah. you know,
0: I don't And they're a, a 2-0 up in that fixture, so yeah. they, they should be good. Um, yeah, that, yeah, I think West Ham, like I said, I think they need to be concentrating on the league at this point. Uh, and, yes, a trophy is always nice, but Premier League football... And, and they played a lot of nicer. backups.
1: Uh, Declan Rice played and ben Rama played, but everybody else um, in the attacking side. So it's not like they're they're playing kind of like a mix mix first team there. Well,
0: and they also get lucky because they were supposed to
1: play Man City this weekend, and because of the FA
0: Cup, they get a, a weekend off. So that will uh, that will take them right through to post uh, post. Is it the the international breaks coming up? Right. Yeah, we need um, an
1: international break. Yep.
0: So they'll get a little break, a little holiday after that. Um, they can. Stay yep. in Cyprus. Uh, yeah. Uh, anything else, Joe, on, on the weekend's fixtures or the couple of games we've seen this week as well? Uh,
1: no, I think uh, I'm good. Uh, you know, we saw a lot, but it wasn't necessarily the most impactful week in the world.
0: Yeah, like I said, I feel like there was no real, like, head-to-head match of, like, winners going to leapfrog to the other one. Like, it seemed like there was separation between all the teams playing each other, but some, play, some teams made some moves with their results, so... Uh, so, Joe, who was your winner
1: this week? Uh, come back to me. I'm drawing a blank.
0: Sure, my winner this week is FIFA, which is uh, not generally oh. I'm not the fan of FIFA, um, but they have made the decision to not go with uh, three three teams per group in the in the, the upcoming expanded World Cup, and they are going to revert back to the four team group format. Um, I believe we. Put them as losers in one of our World Cup podcasts because they have made the decision for it to be three, uh, three team groups. So I got to give them the credit that they've made the right decision there. Uh, it seems stupid. You lose all of that drama of that last, last round of games where you know each result could impact the other one and this, that, and the other. So good on them for seeing sense. Um, it's wild to me that you know they they cited all the reasons that we probably discussed on the podcast and why those things weren't blatantly apparent in the first place when they decided to make these matchups but um, yeah good on good on FIFA so I remember my winner okay who's your winner
1: Napoli yes their first ever Champions League quarterfinal I was stunned by that I just assumed (laughs) at some point they had at least made the quarterfinals of the Champions League but you know this could really be a historic year not only you know haven't they won the league since Maradona was toting their their jersey um, they have an opportunity now to possibly win the Champions League. And w- when you look at it, they're probably, you got to imagine, what, the fourth favorite? I mean, that's not bad <laughs> when there's only eight teams left. And I don't oh, think yeah. anyone really wants to play them. Um, they're, they're The M4 team, they're up 18 in Italy in the Serie A. So I don't want to say that's done and dusted, but, I mean, it that it would take an <laughs> epic lapse. Um, yeah. So, yeah, they're still they're, playing they're my good, right? of the week. They're very good. Uh,
0: yeah. And that, that's a lovely transition into my loser of the week. Because the city of Naples, uh, this tonight was or today was overtaken by a bunch of idiots um, from Frankfurt and apparently Atlanta. So the Germans, the Italians coming together to trash another Italy, Italian city. Um, just dumb. The the Frankfurt fans were actually banned from the game anyway because of trouble that had occurred in the in the reverse fixture. Uh, Some people still decided to make the trip down and basically, yeah, trash the city, terrible, don't get it, don't get the head space of anyone who thinks let's go a thousand miles just to cause trouble, I don't understand why anyone would ever do that but yeah, those are my losers, don't want to give them any more credit or time, not credit but uh, any more kind of light on this but yeah, shocking scenes, sad scenes and that sort of stuff needs to get out of the game quick. Joe, who is your loser of the week?
1: I share my, my loser of the week with Olin, who uh, <laughs> who said the BBC, <laughs> and I would agree. So, the BBC, the, the main impetus, uh, impetus was the BBC basically runs the match of the day program. And the, the importance of the match of the day is that it's a highlight show, but in England, so many, all these matches through Sky Sports or BT Sports are on pay per view. So, it's like in the United States, we have this advantage where we can basically watch any game we want for was six dollars a month for a peacock, I think, so we have the access that the people in England don't they have to pay these crazy fees, and oftentimes because you know well and they so don't, many uh, of just
0: just to add to that, they don't show any three p m Saturday games right, so any right. of the 10, 10 a m Eastern time games are never shown because they don't want it to uh, take away from like people lower going to the grounds, correct, yeah.
1: yeah and you know that's when we see the championship league one, league two. This Saturday, 10 a.m. kickoff is when. Well, 3 yeah. p.m. kickoff is when they play. So, yeah. in this instance, um, the BBC Match of the Day really matters because a lot of the times after the guys, you know, play um, fans go to games in person. This is how they kind of catch up and watch the games that they had no access to. And yeah. um, what happened this week was Gary Lineker, who's you know one of the greatest goal scorers and uh, English history as well but he, in the match of the day he's a presenter and he's the rare athlete who is kind of like a, who is a great player but also a host and it's kind of an incredible uh, you know talent yeah. that he has. yeah he's good and at it. <laughs> yeah so essentially he made political remarks that about migrants in the BBC although a government-funded news organization their board is more conservative so they didn't like these comments and it, it turned into this debacle where Lineker – first, BBC said, we've come we've agreed to not have Gary Lineker on this week. And Lineker basically said, you know, they just didn't want me to allow it, you know. So it became this huge issue where all the other BBC presenters decided to stand with Gary Lineker and say, no, we're not going to be a mass BBC Master of the day either. So what wound up happening in its place, instead of the – typical hour-long program where they show all the goals and they have the punditry from, you know, Ian Wright and Graham Sunez or whoever else is on it, what they decided um, was they were just going to show clips, and they basically, there was no host, there was just basically clips for 20 minutes.
0: I don't think they even had commentary, right? Like It was just, it was like literally just...
1: It was just a game broadcast. Audio, Uh, not audio, sorry, visual. Yeah. (laughs) And so that's basically 20 minutes. So... Um, you know, Master of the Day is very important in England, you know, for the reasons we said earlier. So um, it looks like they've come to an agreement with Lineker. They should be fine going forward, but um, a, a not so great week for the BBC.
0: Yeah, and what was probably bad for uh, Lineker was it meant he got to go to the Leicester game, which, because he is a big known Leicester fan, um, so he probably didn't enjoy having to go and
1: enjoy yep. that, and, that. And just quickly, Owen's one of the week, something we haven't talked about. Rob Edwards, who is the manager of Luton, a small championship league side that is now up to fourth in the table. Uh, they they won against Sheffield United in the weekend. Um, and then tonight, uh, who am I? I'm drawing a blank on who they beat. But they also won again tonight. Um, looking up to see who they beat. Tonight they beat uh, Bristol City, 1-0 at home. Three more points. They're up to fourth in the table. And they have... A cha- they have a great opportunity to make the playoff. And, you know, if you're in the playoff, you have a 25% chance to get to the Premier League, which would be game changing for a club like Luton Town. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Very good. Very good. Thanks, Olin, for your message. And Joe, again, how can people send us emails should they wish to?
1: Yep. The Wrongfoot Podcast at gmail.com. The Wrongfoot Podcast at gmail.com.
0: Perfect. And,. Follow us on Twitter at WrongFootPod. Check out our website, wrongfootpodcast.com. Hit subscribe. Leave us reviews uh, wherever you get your podcast. And uh, tell a friend. If everyone listening today gets one friend to listen, that will double our listenership. So go ahead. Recommend our podcast to one friend. Um, We will take full responsibility if they hate it. So don't worry. You won't lose a friendship over it. Sorry, Joey. Would
1: you go go to a, a seminar that told you that? I don't know.
0: I guess it's, that's motivational speaking, right? Every one person tells one person. I don't know. It's who's that Bible. guy that? Who's
1: that guy that... that Tom Brady follows? Ah, oh, the hell's his name? <laughs> like, the, that Tony, Tony Robbins, I want to know. Tony Robbins, yes, yes. <laughs> you yeah, the Tony Robbins. He wants to the... That's all right. We'll be back next week. We got some uh, Premier League action. We got some FA Cup action. So, uh, you Hello, know, we go. got uh, you know some decent games on the docket. So we'll make use of it. Keep in mind, because of the early the late kickoff. Friday game starts at four PM. The Saturday games, the there's no early kickoff. We have four 11 o'clock games and a one thirty, so a little bit different schedule that we're gonna have to deal with for a week.
0: Yeah, and the clocks don't change for another week after that as well, over in the UK. So we have a couple of weeks of
1: this uh, four hour time difference. Well I think so, I think next week they change, right? I so think the it's the Saturday... weekend after.
0: I think it's not this weekend, it's the one after, I think, is what my parents were saying. But they
1: oh, I may mean, have
0: misunderstood them i think Wait. we have two weeks of it
1: okay well it's international break so i think oh true i think true we'll bad. be fine when they get back but we'll see yeah. yeah yeah
0: or i could just be wrong and i'll blame my parents well wanna be the first
1: time <laughs> exactly. man united title race and the title <laughs> race
0: uh, like i I've, I once text you. if you throw enough darts at the wall, one of them should stick, and I that's the only one I remember. The you other you just thousand on the floor You
1: just hope the the dart <laughs> doesn't uh, ricochet and hit you back in the head or something. <laughs> He's like,
0: well, yeah, plenty
1: do that as well. Uh, yes. make,
0: look, make me look stupid, but it's all good. Well, Joe. it's been it's been fun as always, and uh, we'll be back next week.
1: Take care, oh, sir.